0: So if you'd open your Bibles to Ruth, speaking of Ruth, enjoy yourself, Ruth. Ruth chapter 4, I want to read to you, and then we'll go directly into our study. Verse 1, chapter 4, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here, and he turned aside and sat down, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know For there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the word of God teaches us about redemption. It teaches us about what it means to seek you and to follow you. And Father, as we lead and follow the path to the house of bread, Bethlehem, God, we ask that you would illuminate truth in this story for us. In Jesus' name, amen. It seems a bit strange that two men would find themselves sitting at the elders' gate having a conversation about buying a piece of land. So trying to put it into 21st century vernacular, uh, a number of men have decided that they're going to the real estate office. Why? Because a piece of land has come up for sale in Dundee, and someone's trying to find the title deed and figure out exactly who owns it. But the community knows who owns the land. And so the goal is to make sure that the land gets redeemed. But the land itself is tied directly to a man who no longer is alive. And so the inheritance has to pass from one man to another. Now, if we're in the context back in Bethlehem, we know this, that there is no man left to redeem Naomi and Ruth and the land. And because there is no one to redeem it, it falls in line to the closest relative. And it's this conversation that's taking shape between the relative, the closest relative, that could be the kinsman redeemer, and Boaz, who if you remember from chapter 3 and chapter 2 and chapter 1, has now recognized who this beautiful woman named Ruth is. And he has commanded his laborers to watch over her, to take care of her, to make sure that she's able to glean the field. He's drawn her closer to himself. Why? Because he recognizes that she is in desperate need. He also recognizes that Naomi, a Jew, is also part of the family. The question for us, I think, sometimes is that we have conversations as well about the importance of taking care of one another, the importance of seeing the needs in our community, this seeing the needs around us. And the question for us is, what level are we able to go to make sure that redemption goes forth? Because you'll see this conversation taking place. You'll notice that there are 10 elders in verse chapter two, or chapter four, verse two, he took 10 men of the elders of the city. When you go by a house, you have a solicitor, I'm assuming. Yes? And typically that would take up that concept of being a witness. In this this case, he's taken 10 men with him. Why? Because he wants to remind us that there is an order to following the Torah law. And there's an ancient tradition by which things get redeemed. In our 21st century, we need to remember that we are 2,100 years away from an ancient tradition by which things, lives, people, situations are redeemed. But we're never called to forget it. We're called to remember it continuously. And so we remember, even today, the great sacrifices that people made on our behalf. But it's going to be a sacrifice again for the man of Boaz. Why? Because he is going to walk into a situation by which he is attempting to redeem something that he cannot yet redeem. How many of you have family members who you wish would have redemption in their life? You recognize they're not there yet. And you seem like you don't have the power to do it. And let me be fair and honest and forthright to say you don't. And so we pray. And so we seek the Lord. And so we read our Bibles. So we seek the ancient traditions. Why? Because redemption still exists. And it's still a place and a concept that the Lord uses to deal with us. Redemption, and the implementation of redemption in our lives is vast and takes shape in various areas of where we live and where we serve. I want to read Psalm 50 to you for a moment, and it's an interesting one because it, it comes with an aspect of honor, and I, I want to I read that in this passage of Scripture. Um, notice in verse 4. In the second half of the verse, he says, If you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know that there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. There's an element of honor in Boaz's approach to redemption. He has brought forth this situation by which he knows that the ultimate outcome is through a specific way, a specific order, a specific person. And so he brings this kinsman redeemer, to the court and the judgment, because that is exactly what's taking shape at the elder gate. They're having court. The solicitors are there, and they're buying a house. We also know that the the Hebrew word, uh, zakein, which is Hebrew for elders, actually does not mean elders like we think of in the Bible, if you will, and please forgive me, it literally means old people. Old people, why? Because they have the wisdom and the knowledge to remember the former things. We're told in the scriptures to remember the former ways in which you, fi- you walked. And in those ways, walk in them and teach your children, train your children continuously from generation to generation to walk in those ways. Why? Because from it will come redemption and blessing. How many parents do we have? Yes, we have lots of parents here, don't we? How many grandparents do we have here? Right? Very important. Why? Because it's the former ways, it's the message that you carry with you that actually brings forth redemption, that reminds people. And this is what's happening in Boaz's life. He's brought forth the other kinsman redeemer to the table to say, if you can redeem it, show honor. Why? Because they that honor the Lord will be honored. Psalm 50, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me. doesn't take the Old Testament, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God. It's not your own. How many of you knew that? It's not yours. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. The word that we use for glory is honor. Honor the Lord with the decisions. Romans 12 verse 1. He picks up again on this. Therefore I urge you brothers by the mercy of God. To present honor your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Spiritual service of worship. Honor. Honor is a, is, a, is a key concept that we see in this text. Why? Because Boaz is showing honor. First to Naomi, then to Ruth, who doesn't even fully belong to the community. We talked about this last week, how important it is for us to remember that we bring those into our community who are not of our community and what how do we react once they arrive? We show them what? Honor. Mercy. Grace. Love. Kindness. We allow them to glean in the field to have what we have. Why? Because they need it. Last week I reminded you that we have now more than 70, well, we, have, we have more than 200 more million refugees than we had at the beginning of, of, of five years ago, I think it was. Five years ago, 10 years ago. No, 10 years, we've, we, we have 200 million more. How do we respond to them? How do we receive them? How do we show them love? Well, Boaz gives us a picture. What does he say? He says, come, I will provide for you. I will be there for you. And not only that, I will stand in the gap if I can, and I will redeem you. Now, notice in verse 7. Now, this is the custom in the former times of Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. Redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, uh, you get out a pound and you hand it. no, No, you don't get out a pound. What do you do? The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. Why the sandal? Have you ever asked that question, why the sandal? What does a sandal do? I'm, a- I'm asking you, you can, you can now enter into the discussion. What does a sandal do? It protects you. What else does a sandal do? Transportation, it moves from one place to another. What else? Makes contact with the earth, the land, by which you will what? Redeem. The whole context is we're redeeming the land. It makes contact with that. The one drew off a sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, this is the man that we don't know his name, isn't that interesting? He's in the Bible, but he, we don't know his name. He said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. And he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are my witnesses this day. I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife. To perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may be not cut off from among his brothers and from the gate and the native place. You are a witness this day. You are a witness this day. You are someone who has evidenced something that is taking shape, a transaction. Now, I want, I want, to, I want to ask you this question. Did you notice the depth or, or the in-depth process of the transaction? First of all, it's premeditated. They actually went through it. He, he had a plan in this redemption. He wanted to follow an order, but he had a plan. The second thought is that it was thought out. Boaz didn't just show up at the elders gate with 10 friends without a plan. How many of you have, how many of you have ever gone shopping without a plan? <laughs> I, I said that because we're going into the Christmas season. Right. How many of us do that? Well, we do. And I, I, I remember watching uh, shang uh, Shangxi, uh, the, the Avenger movie that we, we went out to. And I, I remember this one quote. Um, it had really great fight scenes, but I do remember this one quote. And the one quote was this, If you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing. You ever said that? If you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. If Boaz did not have the intent to go and, what, redeem the dead... It wouldn't have happened. Why? Because the intent has to be sound and sure and foundational to what you're doing. The reason we gather here on Sunday is not just so that we can come together and gather on Sunday. It's so that we can become the disciples that God called us to be. Why? With the intent of taking out the message to the world. How's that? Well, what does Ruth have to do with that? Well, let me let's go a little bit further the the goal was to buy the dead back and he says this you are a witness of it this day verse 11 then the people were who who were at the gate and the elders said we are witnesses may the lord Make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah. We know who Rachel and Leah are, right? They married into the family of God. They were redeemed um, by by the the love that Jacob had. He worked seven and a half years for one and seven and a half years for another. And, And what are they saying? We remember who they were. And what we want is we want you to have the blessing that he did. He worked hard. He bought them back. He redeemed them. What does it say? Who together built up the house of Israel? May you act worthy in a path for, uh, in a path for, in a path for, I can't. I, I have a hard time with that word. Anybody have a hard time with that word? And and the renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bar to Judah, because of the offspring of the Lord will give you by this young woman. What you do for the Lord matters to the future. Notice the offspring, the word for the offspring of the Lord. How do you get offspring? We're in science class now. Two people gather together and what? They what? They multiply, don't they? They multiply. And this is beautiful because what we see here, what you do for the Lord impacts others. It's almost a prophetic declaration that he's declaring over them. May the Lord bless you in this unity, and as you redeem her fully, may you be blessed. Isn't it interesting that we talk about offspring? Let me ask you a question Does the church have offspring? Does the church have offspring? What does it take for the church to get offspring? You can yell it out again. Multiply. You have to go out. You have to meet people. You You have to spend time with them. Why? Because you are the hand, the workmanship of the Lord in the process of redemption. Notice what happens here. Boaz meets her. He redeems her. There's a blessing upon their lives. He marries her, we see in the next the next in verse 13. She becomes his wife. They have a child. Blessed be the Lord who has not left this day without a redeemer and and may his name be renowned in Israel. And then it says this, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. What has happened? Naomi, who was the beneficiary of saying, go home to Moab, don't follow me to Bethlehem you'll do better if you just go back to your own people, if you stay in your own, you know, foreign gods. And what what does she say? Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And Ruth takes a journey to follow her. And out of that journey begins the story of redemption. Now Naomi sits back with everything fully redeemed, her land sold, to Boaz, redeemed of the Lord so that she might glean from it. And what does that mean to us? That means this, that God is a God of redemption. He's a God who rescues. He's a God who redeems. He's a God who sees. And what happens? A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. Obed. They named him worshiper. Obed's name is Worshipper. The storyline of the Kinsman Redeemer falls so parallel with the story of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's for us to actually sit back and say, yeah, God is a God of redemption. God is a God who redeems. And, and I'm, I made this joke last week. I said, why, Nathan? Why do you always talk about redemption? Why do you talk about the gospel? Because I said, it's the one thread that runs through all of the scripture, So when you're reading Ruth, you can't get away from the concept of redemption. Why? Because it's a platform by which we understand who God is, his nature, how much he loves you and how much he loves me. But not only that, how much he loves those who aren't sitting in our congregation, who are sitting outside, who are in Moab for all intents and purposes, waiting to be invited to the the house of bread where, 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 where? What? Where we, where we take and taste and eat and see that the Lord is good—the place of God. I really debated um, about how important names are, and I shared with you my name last week, and how important names are, and it reiterated it to me to. This last week on Thursday, I I had the great privilege of doing the Black Watch service at the Maine's Castle and Maine's Memorial. And when we were when we had concluded the service, uh, two members of the Black Watch, uh, um, a a man and a woman, who normally aren't there, they they normally spend their remembrance services in France, and they came up to us and they they said, um, we were really instrumental with the city on making sure that the memorial to the mains fallen was not destroyed in the midst of the regathering, And I, he, he went up to the name of all the different folk, and he started talking about the names of the people on the side, which I think they used, uh, they tried to sandblast it, and some of the names have worn off um, because the, the rock was real br- brittle. But, but one of the names he knew the uncle of and who was famous for his exploits with Inside the Black Watch. And I, and I think it's interesting that, that God knows who we are. God knew exactly who Naomi was and he heard her cry. She was bitter, she was, she, she was depressed, she thought God had forgotten her. Her sons and her, her husband are gone. And yet God never forgets. He always remembers. He always redeems. And even those times in those valleys when some of us have said, well, you know what? God has forgotten about me. No, he hasn't. He has not forgotten about you because God keeps his promises. And uh, as Stephen said, he's 100% good all the time. And I, I find it fascinating because at the end of the genealogy, gen, the genealogy points us to King David. And at the end it says, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fa- fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nation. Nation fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obin, Obed. Not Oban. Nice place to go to, not the name. Obed fathered Jesse, Jesse fathered King David. The whole story of a woman being grafted into a nation signals this, that Ruth, the Moabitess, would find her line grafted into the, the one line of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Which signals to all of us that God is so gracious because you know what he did? He took a fallen woman who worshiped a fallen God, who was outside of the community of faith. And he, in his divine wisdom, grafted her into the line of Jesus Christ, who redeems all people. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whomever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A staple verse of redemption. A woman on the outside brought in the inside. This morning, it's, it's eight o'clock in the morning, we gather together for prayer. And one of the key themes for prayer this morning is that, and little did you know that I was going to be preaching this message because I never share my message, but the key, the key theme was this, that God would begin to bring people into the life of the body of Christ, that those people that we know who are on the outside would be brought closer. But I wanna close with this, that, that it has to have a master plan. Boaz knew the plan. I must go to the gate. I must bring those who are with me, with me. And when we're together, we'll have more power to witness. We'll stand in the truth in the order of what God wants to do in redemption, we'll stand together in it. And as we witness the life, the land, and the beauty of those two women redeemed, we'll stand in the blessing. And you saw that when the elders said, we bless you. As we are a church... Our, our central role is this, that we would be the hands and the feet and the, the body of Christ to a world that needs us more than ever. And as we come into Christmas, how many of you are starting to listen to Christmas songs? Kind of geeky, I know. I downloaded another one yesterday. I had it in the car. I listened to it in nine hours in Glasgow. It brought me great cheer, being in Glasgow. I needed that Christmas music. What did it remind me? It reminded me that we have a Savior that came through the line of David, through the line of Obed, who has brought again for us redemption. And so, as you walk through the stores and you hear the person next to you who you know probably doesn't normally attend church singing Christmas carols, thank the Lord Almighty. And when we hear about Jesus Christ and his goodness this Christmas, may we not be those people that say, well, you know what, I'll let somebody else redeem it. No, I have a plan. I'll be the active goer as the church. Why? Because because we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the ones who stand redeemed. And we have a kinsman redeemer named Jesus Christ, who is the one standing, who had a plan for you and me on a cross where it was blood red, his life laid down for the whole of the world. So we gather together again to remember those who make sacrifice. And we also remember those who are called into a place of redemption. And so I, w- I want to stop and I want to pray for those in our families, because a lot of times that's where we need the most work immediately. Amen? We need God to show up in situations in our families, and so I want to I I invite you into that space in which you stand as the body of Christ. You stand knowing that your kinsman redeemer has laid out the master plan for your family, and we'll pray for them, that they might know the love of God, that they, too, might be restored into a land, into a place in which God moves on your behalf. So you are active. As we pray together, you are active in this restoration. And some of you feel like you've been put, up, put to the side, like Naomi. Naomi. You've been kind of cast out. You know, you don't really have a plan in this. Yes, you do. And if you feel that way, I want to I say this to you. Um, come before the Lord because he's got great things in store. And as we approach the Advent season, the Christmas season, I want to say this, that Jesus Christ is still the Redeemer. He is still the one seeking us and loving us and drawing us. And he has redeemed us by his blood. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are God and there is no one like you. Father, we praise you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for the story of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi, God. And we are reminded that you are the great kinsman redeemer. That in the whole linear aspect of history, God, you, your thread is this, that it is red and it runs through by the blood of the lamb, and that you are a redeemer, and that you restore families. And so, Father, we lift up our families to you. If you have a family member who you know needs the Lord, just lift your hand to the Lord, and out of the volition of your will, the Lord will see you engage. Lord, we pray for our family. Pray for those family members who, who have said they want nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with redemption. They think they've, ru- ru- they've worked out their own life, Father. They've walked back to Moab. Father, we pray against that. Father, we pray that they would one day say, through us, your God will be my God. Your God will be my God. Lord, you have called us into this place. And so, Father, we pray for our our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, our children, our grandchildren, even our great-grandchildren. We thank you for John Dean's heritage in the Lord with his first great-grandchild being born yesterday. We think of these things, and we pray for our family, that you would raise up men and women of God who love you with all their hearts, their minds, their souls, and their strength. We also pray in redemption, God, because Jesus, you heal in redemption. We pray for those who are sick. We think of Philip and Doreen and Melanie. And we all have people in our lives who are sick. We pray for their healing, God. We pray that you would come to them in peace and rest and security. And we thank you, God, that you have everything in store for them. And so, Father, would you be glorified as we partake in seeing redemption in Jesus' name.